Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Amen. Well, let me just take just a moment and, and remind you to vote. If you have not voted already, be sure to go vote. And let's take a moment and let's pray for our, our leaders Let's, uh, both currently sitting leaders and those that will be elected on Tuesday or re-elected on Tuesday. We're just going to speak the wisdom of God over them, whoever they might be. I don't know how this is going to turn out. Uh, you know, I have some ideas, but I'm not, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, <laughs> just, but, uh, you know, that's not what I do. Uh, but anyway, uh, just, just to, if I can be just a little bit political, and BC would appreciate this. Uh, I told all of my trick-or-treaters last night that uh, you have to say Trump or treat. And uh, if they refused, I said, well, bye then. <laughs> BC would appreciate the 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 response I got to that, so anyway, but I, I'll have to admit, I stole that off Facebook, so, but uh, anyway, let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we just lift up our, our leaders, those that are currently sitting, and those that will be elected or re-elected on Tuesday, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, Father, for, for the wisdom of God to rise big on the inside of them, Father, to, that, that they can know how to govern according to your plan and your purpose, Father, to, uh, that uh, the agenda of heaven may be advanced on the earth, and we thank you for that today in the name of Jesus. Father, we speak peace over our nation. Father, we know that there are those who have, who have uh, declared uh, that they're going to be involved in, in uh, causing uh, chaos if their candidate doesn't win. But Father, we speak peace over our nation and Father, over, our, our, over the people, Father, that the plans of enemies would be foiled and, and, and put to naught in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we refuse to live in fear. And, Father, I ask you to move upon the hearts of people who haven't cast their ballots yet. Father, that, that they would do so listening and hearing you and what you have to say. And, Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And, Father, we thank you uh, for, 
for this nation that we live in, Father, and the privilege that we have to vote. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would move upon the hearts of your people that they would not squander the, the opportunity and the privilege that we have to cast a ballot. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Now turn around and look across the room, and uh, let's pray for, for somebody. Just pick someone out in the room, whoever the Lord lays on your heart, and let's pray for them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray for one another right now. In Jesus' name. Father, we just pray uh, peace and joy of the Holy Spirit to rise big on the inside of them. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit just minister to every need that they might have in Jesus' name. Whether it be health, we speak peace. We speak health and we speak uh, the joy of the Lord and we speak uh, prosperity, Father, and, and success in life and success in relationships. We declare that over them in the name of Jesus and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, uh, just give you a brief update. I posted something the other day and asked uh, you to pray uh, for the Philippines. Our friends were uh, in the direct path of what's being called the, the worst uh, typhoon, the worst storm uh, on earth this year. And... Uh, so uh, we began to pray for them, and, and uh, Metro Manila, a population of about 13 million people, 13, 14 million people, was in the direct path. And I got word this morning that that thing turned, and uh, that uh, it did hit uh, the Philippines, but not the major populated areas like, you, you know, in fact, our friend Linda Jacinto posted that uh, she's just in awe within about two-hour period, the, the path of that storm just changed and, uh, and missed the major areas. Uh, I messaged with Pastor Ray uh, this morning, and he had heard from all of our pastors except for one uh, that, that he hadn't been in contact with yet, and everybody's okay. So praise God. Thank you for praying. Now, this morning, I have done over the last few years, I've done some bridge, yes, bridge. If you're in a bridge class, I'd, uh, you can be dismissed right now to your class. Praise God. Over the last few years, I have taught several times on uh, a message that we've called the, the Seven Mountains of Influence. And uh, the Lord's just been stirring that back up in my heart again. Uh, we're actually uh, changing the way that we're saying that, although it's the same, the, 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 the same idea, the same concept. But uh, I want to talk today, we're referring to this as, as seven uh, expressions of influence. Seven expressions of influence. And we're not touching all seven of them today, but we're going to uh, really zero in today and, and talk about the expression of government. And the reason that we're doing this and, and it is because of uh, the election this week. And I, I want you to begin to, to, to see some things today. And um, 
So let me just give you the rundown on what the seven are, and we're only going to really deal with, with uh, uh, one of these for the most part today. But uh, in society, in culture, in our world today, there are, there are seven expressions of influence or seven, some, some have said seven mountains of influence, some have said seven pillars of society. There's various ways that this has been, uh, has been talked about. But uh, these seven things, I don't care who you are, I don't care where you are, I don't care, you know, in fact, throughout history, these seven things have affected, it doesn't matter, it, you, if you are alive or have been alive on this planet, or will be alive on this planet, these seven things will impact your life in some way or another. It will have some kind of, a, a, of an effect on you, and that is the mountain of religion or the, the expression of religion. I've got to change the way I say that. It's, it's habit to say mountain because that's how I've been talking about this. But uh, the expression of religion, economy, education, media, arts and entertainment, or we could call that one celebration, family, and government. And, uh, you know, Jesus said this. When his disciples asked him, say, Lord, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, pray in this way. And he began like this. He said, when you pray, pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, some would say that, uh, well, that's an Old Testament prayer because Jesus said, you know, the kingdom has come, the kingdom, is, uh, the kingdom of God is within you. Uh, and so, you know, that, that is true, that's, that's correct. That's, uh, uh, however, how many know that things are not done on earth like they are in heaven? I mean, you agree that, that there are, are, are things that are done on earth that are not in sync with the way heaven does things. And so uh, when Jesus said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he was saying, let the way heaven does things be manifested on the earth. Praise God. And so uh, we all know that heaven has government, right? There, there is a way that heaven is governed. And, you know, God wants his way of doing government to be manifested on this earth. And so, uh, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, how is government done in heaven? Well, first of all, let's see, how is government expressed? How is government manifested? What are the characteristics of government in heaven? And how, how government is done in heaven? Well, first of all, there is not partisan bickering in heaven. I can assure you of that. 
And, and, and one thing that marks how government is done in heaven is the idea of servitude. Okay? You know, our elected officials, what are they called? Public servants. And people, someone will say, well, you know, I've been in public service. I was elected to public service. And any of us that, that follow politics at all, we know that that is not really the, it's really not the way things are done. I mean, there, there, is, there is some of that, but for the most part, politics is not public service because there's no servant mentality involved in, in, I mean, the way we see things done right now in our culture and in our society, there's not a whole lot of servant mentality going on. And so, uh, you know, the way that, that things are done in heaven is humility. There's not a whole lot of humility that is being expressed in our politics on earth right now. And so uh, there is a way things are done in heaven. We could say heaven has an economy. Anybody ever thought about that? Did you know heaven has an economy? And there is a way that economy or business is done in heaven. All right, the first clue we get to how things are done in heaven is that Father is the provider. I mean, that's, that's part of what father means. It means provider. And so father is the provider, but how is that done by contrast on earth right now? Instead of looking to father as provider, we're looking to ourself and our self-efforts and our self-abilities and, you know, and looking and, and you know, and, and uh, the economy of heaven is marked by generosity and giving. God so loved that he gave. He is a giver. Yet politics, or not politics, but the economy on earth is marked by an attitude of giving, praise God. Uh, but on earth, it's marked by greed. You know, it's marked by get all I can get by whatever means I can get it and hoard it up and hold on to it. And, you know, and, and it is marked by an attitude of, uh, of, of greed. And so we're talking about let the kingdom come and let the will of God be done on earth like it is in heaven. Praise God. Praise God. And so God has called us to bring to manifest things on earth the way that they're done in heaven. Praise God. Now, in Numbers chapter, 20, uh, chapter 14, verse number 21, it says this, But truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. How much of the earth? All the earth. All right, remember that. All the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Psalm 72, verse number 19, says this, 
And blessed be the glory, His glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. Let the whole earth, did you get that? The whole earth be filled with His glory. Habakkuk chapter 2 says this, verse number 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Do we see that currently manifested? Do we see the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covering the whole earth like waters cover the sea? I mean, think about water covering the sea. Could you find a dry spot on the bottom of the ocean? Never. There, there is no dry spot on the bottom of the ocean. So when he says the, that, that's what he's talking about, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as water cover the sea. And yet, you know, while we don't see that yet manifested, that is the will of God. And notice that he said, for the earth will be filled. It will be filled. Is there, has there ever been, can we, can we say that this verse of Scripture has already been fulfilled? No, you can't say this verse of Scripture has already been fulfilled. Yet many don't expect it to ever be fulfilled. If you listen to the way people talk about what's going on on the earth, they don't expect that this passage of Scripture will ever be fulfilled. But yet he said that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, the earth will be filled with it. Now, is that, is that prophecy? Sure. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's prophecy. And so that is a prophetic word, yet many only, all they want to talk about is the gloom and doom and destruction part of prophecy. They don't want to talk about that the why, do they, why don't they want to talk about the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord? Why? Because they don't believe it's going to ever happen. But yet I believe that God is raising up people so that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Praise God. Now, let's look at this, this passage right here in Luke chapter 19. If you turn your Bibles on your iPad or your whatever you're using to Luke chapter 19. And I wanted to share a, a story with you, beginning with verse number 1. And I remember as a little kid in, in uh, uh, church that we have what we called the booster band. And the booster band was when the little kids came out in, in the main service and they all sang. Uh, it, was a, it was a choir of, uh, of the little kids in church. And we came out and we sang periodically for uh, the adults. And one of the songs we sang 
was a song about a man named Zacchaeus. And, uh, you know, we're told in the Bible that Zacchaeus was, was short in stature. And so Jesus was coming to his town, and so he climbs up in a, a tree so that he could see. And uh, then Jesus stopped at the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm going to your house. And so we sang a song that said, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Anybody ever sing that song? Yeah, a couple people have, yeah. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, the Savior for to see. See, And as the, okay, i got to finish the song now. As the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there, for I'm going to your house for tea. And so, uh, but, you know, th this is the story that we find in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. It says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was chief tax collector. I want you to notice what the Bible tells us about him. He was a tax collector, not just a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector. And then it says, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. And he was going to pass, as, for he was going to pass that way. And when, uh, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, and he came down, and, and he received him joyfully. But when he saw it, uh, but when they saw it, when they saw it, not he, when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Now, notice what, see, he was a tax collector, the, the scripture tells us he was a chief tax collector. And he was very rich. They said he was a sinner. So they, they concluded from that that you can't be a tax collector and you can't be rich and not be a sinner. You got to be a sinner in order to, 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 to be either one of those other things. If you're a tax collector, you got to be a sinner. And if you're rich, you got to be a sinner. How many people believe that today? A whole lot of people believe that today. That if you're, if you're a tax collector and if you're rich, you must be a sinner. And, and so notice what it says here. Then Zacchaeus stood and said, Lord, Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation... I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, 
because he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I want to pull some things out of this. Notice Jesus went to his house, but it doesn't tell us anything about what Jesus did at his house. Did Jesus preach a sermon? We don't have the record of it, if he did. Did Jesus sit down and have a stern talk with him and tell him, you know, hey, you got to restore back what you've stolen from people and you got to do this and you got to, you know, and did, did, do, did Jesus do any of that? Not that we have record of. We have no indication that he did. And, you know, and that would be a pretty important detail. So I'm kind of thinking that if Jesus had done that, that the scripture would have recorded it. But he didn't do that. Jesus went to his house, and, you know, for all we know, Jesus went and hung out. Just kind of hung out. Maybe watched football with him or, you know, whatever, whatever they did in those days. Maybe Jesus just, just went and just hung out at his house for a while. But notice then Zacchaeus gets up, and he says, hey, look, Lord, if if I've defrauded anything, if I've taken anything dishonestly from anyone, I'm going, to re- I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. And if I've, if I've defrauded anyone, I'm going to restore it fourfold. Jesus said, today salvation has come to your house. See, there doesn't have to be a sermon in order for salvation to come to the house. And salvation does not mean necessarily, although it includes, but it doesn't necessarily mean he got saved and he got born again. As we think of it today that, you know, that, 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 that term save, well, salvation, that means, oh, he accepted Jesus as his personal savior. But that's not, uh, you know, uh, that's not necessarily what that word means. Salvation has come to this House, see, Jesus came to seek, verse 10, and to save that which was lost. Now, let me ask the question what was lost? You say, well, you know, sinners are lost. Well, they are, but that's not all. It doesn't, notice it does not say the Son of Man has come to seek and to save. He who was lost. It says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So when was something lost? Well, when Adam was created in the, and placed in the Garden of Eden, he was given dominion or authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, over all the earth. He was given authority. And then, after Adam fell, then we find, you know, 4,000 years later, Jesus comes into the earth, and Jesus is beginning his ministry, or about to begin his ministry, and he goes into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the devil takes him up on a high mountain, and he shows him all the kingdoms of the earth. 
Remember we started out praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Keep that in your mind. All right, so he shows him all the kingdoms of the earth and the glory of it. And then Satan says to Jesus, the devil says to Jesus, he says, all of these, I'm showing you all these kingdoms of the earth and their authority. And he says, if you will bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these. And then he makes a statement. He says, for they have been delivered to me. So if you worship me, I'll give it to you. Now, what's significant about that? First of all, people say, well, yeah, but that was the devil and he was lying because he's a liar. Well, that was the devil and the overall picture that he was painting was a lie, but that specific statement was not a lie. If it had not been a, if it had not been true, don't you think Jesus would have known that? And if Jesus knew that, do you think he would have actually been tempted by it? If Jesus would have thought, well, you know, they're not yours in the first place, how can you give them to me? If, you, if that had not been true, then it would not have been a temptation to Jesus. But it was true. All of it had been delivered to the devil. By who? By the one who originally had it, by Adam. So the, the kingdoms and the authority were given to the devil. Furthermore, the devil knew that's what Jesus came after. That's what he came to get. Notice he didn't just come to get the people. He came to get all the kingdoms of the earth and the authority of them. Praise God. So then, after Jesus is risen from the dead, he makes this statement. He goes to his disciples and he says, Hey, guys, I got back the authority. I didn't bow down and worship Satan to get it. I went into the depths of the earth. I went into hell, and I defeated him, and I got all the authority back. And now he says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Now you go. He didn't mean just go get people saved. He meant go use the authority and take back the kingdoms of the earth. Praise God. Praise God. And since we're tag teaming, I got a tag at some point. So tag, here you go. Amen, amen. Well, talking about the... Uh the mountain, uh, the expression, what's the word we're using? Whatever it is, of government. Um, and I believe this, that every single area, as Pastor was saying, that we come in contact with every single day, it, it fits in one of these areas, one of these expressions. And there's no reason why that God should not be the center of each and every one of these things. And I, I believe that there's a better way. I believe there's a better way to do it, you know, and, and, and a lot of times we've, we've passed that off as we've got the, the secular way of doing it and we've got the Christian way of doing it. And I, I just, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't believe that that's 
that that's the way it is. I don't believe that there should be um, this this segregation in how we do it that that the entire earth needs to be filled with the glory of God. And as, as the earth is filled with the glory of God, that it's just the way we do things. It's just the way we behave. It's just the way we act. And so for the past, uh, and, and most of you, I think probably all of you know this, but for the last eight years, um, I, I've been directly involved in, in the area of government. And... Um, you know, the, the way that came about is uh, I've always had it on my heart, and these are things that I, that I haven't talked about a lot, um, at, at least from the stage, um, but it, it, it's something that I, I've had in my heart for a long time, and, and um, so eight, nine years ago, I, I found out that, um, that there was going to be an open seat in my district for city council. And I just, I, I had been asked once before to run for a, a county commission seat, and I had declined the, the opportunity. It just wasn't right for me at that time. And so I, I knew it was right. And so I called the, uh, the current city council member who I, I knew. I didn't know hardly anybody in town, but I knew him. And so I called him and I said, uh, you know, there's a rumor that you're not going to run this time. And and uh, he said, that's true, I'm not. And I said, well, I think I am. And he told me at that time, he said, well, I, I've already approached um, this other person about running, and, um, and so I, I just want to let you know that up front. I said, well, you know, that's fine. I, I think this is right for me at this time. So um, I, I had this, this other person as an opponent for about a month, and um, then he called me one day, and we went to lunch, and he said, I, I'm going to to back out, and, uh, and he wasn't officially running at that point anyway, and he said, I'm going to back out, and, uh, and I'm going to throw my support behind you, and I said, okay, well, I appreciate that a lot, because uh, to be honest, I was probably going to lose to him, so, um, but I knew it was right for me to do this, and, and so I went after it, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I, I knew hardly anybody, and, and, um, and, and there was just door after door after door that God opened up, and and so then it was this question of how do you do this? How do you, um, even how do you stand in the position that you, that you stand in being on staff at the church and, and then go into a government position and this is taboo and this is all these things, right? And so I, while I can't say that, that during my tenure I've done everything right, man, I wish I could say that and and. I, I believe that I've learned along the way and I've grown and um, and the reason why I'm talking about it now, I had purposed early on and Pastor Daniel and I talked about it and I said, I, I don't believe that um, that it's right, that it's ethical, that it's uh, to, to use the, the platform, the pulpit of, of God um, to promote um, a, a personal political agenda. And um, so I, I'm not usually the one that talks about these things here, and and the reason why is I don't want um, I don't want anybody to think that that it's one and the same. Now a lot of people do think that, um, and there's been criticism because of that. But at the same time, that 
we've tried to be very, very careful, and that's, that's not ever my intention. The reason I'm talking about it now is I, and some of you know this, and maybe you've heard word on the street. You've probably heard a lot of word on the street a, a lot of different ways. Some say that, um, that I'll be running for mayor in two years. That's not true. Some say that I want to, to run for state representative. That's not true. I, I'm not running for anything else. Um, I'm not running for city council again. I won't be running for county commission, state representative, mayor, nothing. I'm, I'm not running anymore. Um, I'm done. My term expires in a year, and, uh, and then I'll be finished. Um, so if you hear rumors, that's the truth, all right? Um, but there's a bunch of uh, people like to talk. And I know, I know none of you like to talk, but I, I hear that a lot. So, um, so anyway... So I'm standing up here and we're talking about this today. And, and in, in eight years of being, um, being right in, in the middle of things that are happening in, in government, I knew going in that government was ugly. Um, I don't think I really knew. And, and I, I'm here to tell you that, that it is ugly. And... Um, it's, it's ugly, probably different than you think or you know. And I'm not going to go way into that. We just had two weeks of conversations on Wednesday night where I was pretty open about a lot of stuff. Um, any question, I mean, if you ever have any questions, you want to talk about something, hey, I've heard this or whatever, let's sit down and talk about it because that's one of my missions now is I've seen things from all angles and from both sides and, and I think there's a better way. And that's why I'm talking about it today. Because there's a better way to do things than, than we're doing them. And I'm not going to talk about, well, they need to do this and they need to do that. I'm not going to talk about that. What I'm going to talk about today is what we need to do. We as, as Christians, as a church of Jesus Christ, what do we need to do? How do we turn this around? Because I believe this, that in in this country, and if you're watching from, from a, a different country, we're broadcasting today in 100 different countries, um, it, uh, your system is different than our system. No matter where you live, your system is different than ours. But I believe this, that we as Christians are called to lead in every single area. Now, I don't believe that that leadership is tied to a particular political party. And that's different than you'll hear from a lot of church stages probably this very Sunday. I don't believe that that's tied to a, a, a political party because I believe that as Christians we should be less concerned with the letter that's next to your name and more concerned with the name that's written on your heart. I believe that it's more important that we're followers of Christ than we're followers of a particular political party or platform. Because at the end of the day, that platform is going to let you down. That person that you look to is going to fail you and is going to let you down. But I have one person that will never fail me, and that's Jesus Christ who lives on the inside of me. That will never fail me. That will never give up on me. That I can always trust in every single situation. And he's given me his word. And I don't have to rely on a media spin. 
I don't have to rely on what I see and want to know. Is that fake news or is that real news? And what can I trust and what can I not trust? I know that when I open the pages of the Bible, I can trust it and I can believe it and I can place my faith and my hope and my trust in that. And that's what we should be built on. So I know that we've got a system that's broken. And we become divided, and in doing so, we've divided the view of Christ that others have. We've become divided as a church. The scripture tells us in three of the four gospels, Jesus says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. I want to give you some statistics here. And when I talk about house, I'm talking about our country. Now, I don't believe that Jesus is America. But I believe we live in a great country. And I believe that God is in the center of the, the founding of this country. I believe that, that God is in the, and this is why. Look, I looked up some statistics on what America does for the rest of the world. According to uh, um, an organization called The Traveling Team. Now, I'll say this. If you look them up, um, I don't agree with the, the slant of their website, okay? I don't know anything about their organization. They have a lot of statistics on there, and that's what I was looking at. But really, um, their whole idea was guilting you. This is what I got off of it, was guilting you into world missions. I don't believe we need to be guilted into world missions. I believe we're loved into world missions, amen? Because as love is perfected in us, I can't help but love somebody else, right? I don't think we have to guilt into it. But according to the traveling team, a missions organization, the United States sends 64,000 full-time missionaries and 144,000 short-term missionaries to the world every single year. That's over 30% of the entire missionaries from any country that go anywhere. So think about all the nations of the world, and I, I wish I knew how many countries there were. I should have looked that up. But the United States provides over 30% of those missionaries just from here. And the United States provides 40 billion missions dollars to the world. 40 billion dollars. I believe if nothing else, that America exists to get the gospel to the world. Now, I also believe this, that as we're founded on religious freedom, that means that others have the right to disagree with me, and that's their right. And nothing should infringe on that right. Because I believe that God is not insecure. And that if somebody is searching for truth, that they're going to find it. And maybe today, they're looking. And maybe today, they're searching but I believe that as they're searching and as they're looking, that God guides them and God leads them. 
I don't believe we have to say just because we were founded on Christian principles, if that's the truth, and if Christian principles are the truth, then I believe this, that just like God is a God of choice, a God of free will, that that God doesn't force us to do anything at all, but we do it as an expression of love. I believe that how we worship and where we worship is the same thing. I thank God that I have found that Jesus saved me. Amen? Praise God. I thank God. But I'm not offended when someone else has a different viewpoint. I pray that God would open their eyes. Amen? Praise God. Because freedom is not a one-way street. Amen? Praise God. Do you believe that today? I'm free. And I'm free in Christ. And I'm free to serve him. And I'm free to worship him. Amen? See, I believe that the enemy wants to take out America. And I believe that the enemy is using the church in a lot of ways to do it. Because of the rhetoric that comes out. I've heard this. And I am absolutely nonpartisan in this discussion today, this talk today. Absolutely nonpartisan in any of it. But I'm going to tell you something that I've read a lot on social media that says, if you're a Democrat, you cannot be a Christian. Has anybody read that? I don't know if you've read it. And I'm just coming for you straight today to say if that's your view, change it because you're wrong. Change it. Because I believe that the letter next to our name has nothing to do with what God is doing in our heart. Amen? Now, if you believe that Republican principles align with what God has revealed in your heart, then by all means, that's what you should do. And if you believe that Democratic principles align with what God has done in your heart, then by all means, that's what you should do. I'm not here to tell you what God is revealing to you. What I'm here to tell you to do is to seek God. Seek God. If I stand up here and say that this platform or that platform or this point of view or that point of view is the way, then the number one thing that I'm doing is I'm alienating everybody else on the other side. And I want to ask you this, what does God care more about? Does he care more that you know Jesus or does he care more about who you put a check next to in the ballot box? I believe that God cares the most that you know Jesus. And I also believe this, that if you know Jesus, then if you lack wisdom, then you ask and he gives it to you. The other thing that it, say, that it doesn't say, the scripture doesn't say that he'll give it to me so that I can give it to you. He says it, he'll give it to you. And so my job as pastor is to show you Jesus. It's not to control your life. My job is to show you Jesus. My job is to say you look at Jesus. You seek God. You get to know him. I want Christ to be revealed in you. As Christ is revealed in you, then every single situation that comes up, Christ is going to shine through.
And I'm confident in that. It's a trust factor. I don't believe that we got here overnight. I don't believe that, that we arrived at this point in history where we're so divided. I don't think we got here overnight. And I think that, that there's scriptural precedent here that, that we can see in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. And we're going to go all the way through verse 27. It says here, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and he does them, I will liken unto him. I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house on a rock. Now, when it's talking about the rock here, it's talking about Jesus, talking about the cornerstone. When Jesus was talking to Peter and, and he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, I believe that you're Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, on this rock I build my church. On this revelation that I am the son of God, I build my church. So he said... That whoever hears these sayings and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and it beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Stay right there, Tony. It says the rain descended, comma, the floods came, comma, and the winds blew. I want to bring out three things here. First of all, it says the rain descended. When it's talking about the rain descending, it's, it's bringing out the idea that the rain comes down and it compromises things that are unstable. It softens the ground. Have you ever walked out in your yard on a sunny day? It's 198 degrees in July in Carlsbad. And you walk out and you step on the ground and it's just hard. It's firm. It's, right? After we had some snow the other day, our nine inches of snow or whatever it was, right? Did you walk outside and get mud on your shoe because it sunk into the ground a little bit? I did. And I hate it because I like my shoes clean. You walk outside and the ground is, is compromised a little bit. It's wet. It's soft. The rain descends and it, it compromises the ground. But it didn't compromise your driveway, right? If your driveway is concrete. And the floods came. How many know that every time about September when we get rain here, it rains in Carlsbad three times a year, graduation day, the 4th of July, and the one other time that you planned a big outdoor activity, right? Three times. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Multiple, yeah, exactly. You're like, what's the dude in Charlie Brown? Well, it's Charlie Brown, right, where the rain is right over him and that's it? Yeah. So the floods come, and we see this all the time here. We have flash flooding, right? Because water comes down off the mountain, and it begins to rise in our canyons and our low water crossings. And every single year, 
We have people that are, that are injured, that are in danger, and sometimes, unfortunately, even people who die because they think they can cross the water because it doesn't look that bad. When the flood comes, then the water rises slowly and it increases in its flow and its intensity slowly. And so it doesn't look that bad and you don't even realize what's happening to you. So when the rain descends and the floods came and the winds blew, this word winds is very important and very interesting because it's not just talking about a little wind. It's not even talking about the huge winds that we see every year in Carlsbad. It's not even talking about that. What it's talking about is winds that are coming from every direction. that are so strong in intensity that they form a force that crushes everything that's in between. So the rain comes and the floods come and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. Now look at this next one. But whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So what is sand? Sand is fragments of rock that have been broken off, that have been weathered, that have corroded, that have eroded. Fragments of the rock. We said the rock was Jesus. And if the rock is Jesus, how many of us as the church are building our house on fragments of the rock because we listen to Christian music, because we have a podcast going sometimes, because we post a Christian meme that says, if you really love Jesus, repost this. And we want to prove that we do. And so we repost it. But how many of us have built our entire house on the sign that we have hanging in our living room that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, but we don't have any action on the inside to back it up. All we did was bought a sign and stick it in our house. I'm not saying you don't love God, but what I'm saying is we think we've built something solid, but really what we've done is we built on sand. We've broken off pieces here and there. What happens to that guy? Next verse. It says the rain descended. It couldn't compromise the rock, but it starts to compromise the sand. Maybe you don't see it right now, but it's, it's washing out underneath the house. It's washing out underneath that patio, Albert. That was being redecked this week. It's starting to wash out underneath it and it compromises the integrity. Albert dealt with a situation like that this week and he sent my pic me pictures. I was like, oh my gosh. Because it wasn't founded on solid ground and it starts to wash out over time. And the winds 
blow and the floods come and it starts to rise just a little bit and it that ground is already softened and it starts to 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 hurt the integrity of the house but you still think you're okay and then the winds blow from all angles wind also represents breath let me submit this to you what if all the voices that we're hearing right now all the voices from all different directions that say we need to do this and we need to believe this and we need to behave like this. What if every time we open social media, what if every time we turn on the news, what if every time we're talking to a coworker, it's wind that's blowing. And if our house is compromised and the waters are running fast, and that wind comes in, and we don't have a foundation, as the church is being crushed, we're being divided. We've gotten our eyes off of Jesus and onto an agenda, and we think we're being holy. But we're not doing things his way, we're doing it backwards. I believe that there's a better way I believe there's a better way. I believe there's a way that we can be involved politically and we can live Christ. I spoke to a, a group a few months ago. And after I gave them an update, I, I've gained a little bit of boldness in my in my tenure, and I don't know if that's because I decided I was done and I, I didn't care or what, but I, I spoke to a group, and, and I said this when I was finished. I said, I, I'm a minister first and foremost, and if you'll give me a few minutes to kind of preach at you. I said, the scripture tells us that a house divided against itself cannot stand, and so I want to ask you, I know you think that it's always everybody else that's bringing division, not you. But I want you to look at yourself. What are the things that you're saying? What are the things that you're posting? What are the attitudes that you have in your heart? And I want you to be honest. If you're being an agent of division, if you're pushing away your brother and sister, then I want you to stop because there's a better way. And for a long time, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to express my opinion or to be a, to be a political leader and not push people away. I didn't know. And so I just started asking God because I don't believe that's the heart of God. And so I just started asking him, God, Teach me, show me. I'm happy today that I have relationships that I value on all sides of the political spectrum that go all the way from local to county and state and federal. I'm thankful today that I can have conversations with Democrats and Republicans, 
that we can talk about things that we agree on and we can discuss things that we disagree on. And at the end of the day, we can have dinner, we can have respect for one another, It doesn't happen always in our country, but it's got to happen more. And the church needs to lead, not be a contributor to the division. And it can be done, guys. I promise it can be done. So what I did as I realized that something needed to change, what I did was I just stopped doing it for a little while. This is not something you can feel your way through and just make a lot of people mad in the process. And, and sometimes our, our, um, our rhetoric is, this is not how I mean it, but if it makes you mad, just unfollow me. Well, I don't really care if somebody follows me on Facebook or Instagram or not. I, I don't care. If you want to unfollow me, unfollow, do it right now. I, I don't care. Um, you know, I may drop from 3,000 followers to 1,000 after this or one. I don't know. But, um, but I really don't care. Um, but I'm saying this, that if we have that attitude, I'm going to say this, and I don't care who it, who it upsets, then our attitude's wrong. And I'm going to prove it to you. Romans chapter 14. And I'm going to close here. Romans chapter 14. Verse number 14. It says, I know and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus Christ that there's nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it's unclean. First off, I want to say that maybe you didn't mean anything by it, but if somebody takes it that way, then to them you were wrong. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you're no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Man, is it so important to us that we post that divisive meme that we push away our brother and our sister? In 2020 language, we could say don't destroy the one for whom Christ died because of your meme. Next verse. It says, therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Again, well, I'm just trying to preach the truth. Well, I just, I just want to present the truth. I just want to show somebody how it is. I just want to show because maybe it will make them think. Do you really think that? Do you really believe that? Because any time that you do something like that, if you don't have relationship to back that up, it's not going to make them think. It's going to make them mad. If you don't have relationship, 
If you take the time to invest in somebody else, then we can sit across the table from one another and we can have a conversation about something. I had one of the best conversations that I've had in my life with somebody that sees the political world way differently than I do. And we sat in the office of Carlsbad Main Street downtown for about an hour and a half two weeks ago and we talked about our differences. We talked about how we see the world and how we arrive at these conclusions. And when we got finished, he said, we need to have you guys over for dinner soon so we can continue these conversations. I'm telling you that there's a way to do it, but I've known this guy for three years, and we've never had a political conversation before. I knew where he stood. He knew where I stood, and we didn't have to talk about it, and I didn't have to go and cram my thoughts down his throat just so that I could prove a point to hopefully change his mind, but we built relationship and if there was conversation based on relationship, we didn't destroy anything. And I can tell you this, that from our hour and a half conversation, I learned stuff. And I hope that he did too. I learned and I grew. Because when we start thinking that we know everything, then we're taking the place of an infinite God in our life. Have you ever thought that that position that you feel so strongly about, that maybe there's another side to it and maybe you have something to learn? Have you ever thought, maybe I have something to learn? We had a, a, a vote in the city a while back. And I'm not going to get into the specifics. If you want to talk about it privately, we can. But I had known about this issue for quite some time, um, months, and maybe even a year. And uh, I had pushed for it to come up on our agenda because I thought we needed to vote on it and, and uh, because I, I thought that people deserved to vote. And so it finally comes up. And this whole time, a year, I've been thinking that, that I, I, I had done research. I knew everything about it. I, I, and I was, I was ready to vote. I, I knew how I was going to vote. And then someone came up and they, they spoke. And, and their, their perspective was different than mine. And as I listened to them, I thought, man, you make a lot of sense. Hmm. I'm learning here. And so I asked them a few questions. And when we finished, I didn't vote the way that I was going to vote for a solid year <laughs> because I learned, because I grew. Because I'm not telling you that you need to change your position or your perspective. What I'm telling you is respect your fellow man. Have conversations. Don't think of yourself so highly as I have all the answers. What you're going to do is if you've already voted, I, I hope that you went to the ballot box and you voted based on the knowledge that you have. But don't be so arrogant to think that that can't ever change. If you haven't voted, I hope that you go vote on Tuesday. And I hope when you go vote on Tuesday that you vote based on the knowledge that you have that you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. But don't let your good be spoken of as evil. Guys, we're learning and we're growing. 
You may be sitting there thinking, man, I, I've seen your I've seen your social media, and you haven't you posted some stuff that wasn't good either. I, sure, because we're learning and we're growing. I'm not going to deny it. I'm hoping I'm getting better. I haven't cornered the market on perfection. Only Jesus has done that. Let's go to the next verse. It says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God, in the realm of politics, we could say it like this, the kingdom of God is not elephants and donkeys, but it's righteousness, it's peace, it's joy in the Holy Spirit. Those should be my push as a Christian. Those should be my drive, righteousness, right standing with our Father God, knowing that I'm righteous, knowing my position in Jesus. Peace. Promote peace. Well, I'd just like to get into a healthy debate. With a keyboard warrior? Really? If you wanted to get into a debate, own it. Invest in relationship. Say, let's sit down and talk. Had a conversation last week with somebody that's a truly undecided voter. And I played devil's advocate. And I told them, as we start this, I'm going to play devil's advocate because I want you to think about your position. And you know what? When we left, I don't know how he's going to vote. I, I have no idea. I'm not going to ask him. Uh, we talked about a lot of things. I didn't try to convince him one way or the other. We just had a healthy conversation on how do we arrive at these conclusions? How do you arrive at them for you? And I, I, I want to tell you, too, and I, I almost put this on social media, and then I thought, I, I have to be careful because I know that there's a whole lot of people that like to be keyboard warriors, and I don't. And so um, one of the things that, that happens is when you don't respond, um, especially when I don't respond, then they just fill in the blank on what they think my response is, and I don't like that either. So um, so I generally don't, don't do stuff like that. Uh, sometimes I do and regret it. Um, but if you're in that position and you want to sit down and talk about stuff, guys, and we have, we have things on the ballot that are not just the presidential election. Like, there's other things that are really important. If you want to sit down and talk about them, I, let's sit down in the next day or so and, and talk about it because it's important. And I'm not going to try to push away on you, I promise. The kingdom of God, it's about promoting peace. The kingdom of God, it's about promoting joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not about a political view. I think this is the last verse, maybe. Next. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and is approved by men. <laughs> if you serve God in righteousness, in peace, and enjoy in the Holy Spirit, those things are not only acceptable to God, they're also approved by men. But if I think that I have to wear my government on my sleeve, 
then I'm only going to be approved by whatever number you want to throw out, 50%, right? Is there one more, Tony? Is that it? All right. Last thing. I know I said that other one was last, but this is the last, last, for real last. In fact, this scripture starts with the word finally. So it has to be last, right? Philippians 4.8. It says this, finally, my brothers, whatsoever things are true, well, Pastor Jason, I just don't even I just don't even know what's true. I don't I don't even, how do you even know what how do you know what's true these days? I know one thing that's true. The Bible's true. I know that. Whatever your favorite news outlet is, if you think that they don't slant things and everybody else does, again, I'm sorry to say, I feel like I'm saying it a lot. You're wrong. They do. Everybody does. Everybody's got a spin. But whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's anything virtuous, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, think on these things. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands today. But for how many of, of you, of us, do you get on social media and your blood starts boiling? Your blood pressure rises. And I'm not going to ask you how many things you post that you shouldn't, but think about this. How many things do you type really hard, you press really hard on your phone, and then you erase it? And then you type, 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 and then you erase it. Guys, I took Facebook off my phone uh, May 18th. I remember, I think it was May 18th. I remember because it was graduation. And I took Facebook off my phone, and I haven't put it back. Um, because I didn't like the anger that grew in my heart because of it. You don't have to be on that stuff. Uh, I think it can be a tool for good, but I think it can also be an agent of evil in your life. And you have to know, I wish that I had the self-control to not get angry. That'd be the best, wouldn't it? But sometimes you just have to say, look, here's where I'm at, and I can't do that right now, so I'm just going to have to remove myself. I don't have to make a big deal about it. It's just it is what it is. I need to think on those things. And if you don't know what's true, don't meditate on it. Don't meditate on it. How do we do government a different way? How do we do government God's way? I believe that it starts with unity. I believe that it starts with relationship. And if that means that I have to go the extra mile to do that, do you have access to, like direct access to your uh, congressional members, to, 
to your senators, to the president. We, we, don't, we don't have that access. And so what I can do in that respect is I can go and I can seek God and I can vote the way that I believe that I should. What I can do starting on November the 4th is I can pray for those that are elected and I can pray for those that are considering running in two years when the next election is. Because how many times have we said, and maybe you've said it too, I feel like right now we're looking at the lesser of two evils. We've said it, right? And so if that's the case, I don't want you to just start praying in two years when the congressional races come up again. I want you to start praying now. I want you to start praying that God move on the hearts of individuals that fear him, that want to do things a different way, that they'll run, that he'll begin to move on their heart. Maybe it's on your heart to do it. Maybe God has planted that in your heart and you don't know what to do or you're nervous or you're scared. Or Come talk to me. I don't care where you stand politically. If you fear God... And I, I don't have a corner on that market either. But it can be done. And you can show a better way. We can do this differently, guys. We can do it differently. For my part, I'm going to use the relationships that I have, the influence that, that I have, that God's given me, and I'm going to talk about a better way. I can tell you this, that I'm not going to say who, but for many of the, the local and state offices, even, um, even, our, even some of the higher offices. I've had conversations with those individuals through relationships that I've built and talked about this. Talked about there's a better way. Talked about how I believe through Christ things should be done, things should be conducted. Um, tried to keep that dialogue open. And so for my part, that's what I've done. For your part, I want you to be obedient. Because I believe there's a better way. You guys are pushing our time today. There's no way that both of us can talk and have a message that's short. Huh. It's like a two for one. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and your love. God, we thank you that you've shown us a better way to everything through your son. That we lead in love. That we follow after you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Guys, with everybody, everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, and this is just out of respect for the people around you, I want to ask you this. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. And I believe that there's a way for you. God has made that way through his son who knew no sin to become sin for you so that you could be right in the eyes of God. See, we couldn't do that on our own. We needed him. Today, all you have to do to receive that gift is 
the scripture says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. What you're saying there is you're saying, Jesus, I need you. I admit I can't do it on my own, and your way is better than mine. The second thing you have to do is believe that in your heart. Believe that God raised Jesus from the dead to make a way for you. So if you've never said that before and you want to, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And if you're watching online, pray it with us. If you're in the house today, I'm going to ask that everybody pray it as a show of support to those who maybe haven't. See, we don't have to pray alone because we're a family. And not only are we praying with those in the house, but we're praying with thousands of people watching on the other side of the camera today. Say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to make me new. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you, and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website, and we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus, and I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us, and remember that God is madly in love with you.